Hello and welcome back to Julie Loves Television. Long time, no talk. Um, so, a lot of things happened that um, had me skip last week, mostly because I just didn't really watch much of anything, which is kind of normal. You watch a lot of stuff and then I like drop off and like can't find anything that I want to watch for like a week and whatever. I'm still trying to figure everything out and keep up the what I'm interested in and being true to what I'm watching like I said I would um so and also day day late but other than that let's start off um with news um a lot more news this week um than normal but I think a lot of that has to do with the renewals that obviously came out of like upfronts and stuff from um the advertising things that networks and um, streaming streaming platforms do in like New York, I think, or LA. Um, now, obviously, this is not meant for like businessy like uh, people who don't work in like the business for that sort of stuff. But I sort of in doing this podcast and being super interested in television, I paid a lot of attention to like news websites that have to do with um television and like i don't really love the articles that come out of like upfront situations that the so that's what they call like pre- presenting all their like television and fan fair to um for advertising customers for the future and what they are going to have available and what buys they can make during programming I work for an entertainment company in some capacity, so I kind of understand that sort of thing, but it's still not in that world. But, um, like, that's why a lot of the news was coming out this week, mostly because, because of all the renewals, and that tends to happen around this time of year for, like, especially in, like, networks, networks. Um, so the first one is not really sh- specific show related. But it's related to, um, apparently Disney and Hulu are going to be able to combine into one app at the end of the year. But, like, the article seemed like it was saying that it was also going to continue with separate apps. Which, there's some functions, obviously, that Disney Plus doesn't utilize that Hulu does, like, the live TV portion. In the same way, like, they have live programming on on Disney Plus sometimes for... I think most recently, and like the most, the one I knew about was Dancing with the Stars, which is moving back to ABC. I don't watch that show either, but I sort of understand why they're doing it, just to like utilize all the customers they can into like one platform, while they're not like spreading out the price base across many, because it makes sense in that. Like, I subscribe to Amazon Prime, and you can purchase subscriptions in within that to, um, like, Paramount Plus. What else they have on there? Like, Stars, Showtime. Um, I don't think you can do Disney Plus. I know you. they just started to be able to do HBO Max, which is changing its name. It's actually tomorrow from when I'm recording this. But, I mean, so it makes sort of sense because they do different things. 
in some capacities. And Hulu is like Amazon Prime in that you can record, you can not record, they have the live TV component where you can watch TV, like linear networks and stuff like that that are live and also like recording programming that you might miss that they don't have, have available on Hulu specifically, separately, which sucks. I hate when like you search for, your search for a program you want to watch on whatever streaming platform it is because you know like you type that into Google the right hand side has that like box where it tells you like where it's streaming now it's like less accurate with hulu having that live live tv portion where it'll tell you it's on hulu but it's only available on hulu if you have a live tv add-on subscription that they don't tell you when you try to click over like click through to hulu which is fine but not the greatest use of whatever that is because sometimes like even it will show that's like available on amazon prime when it's only available like for purchase on amazon which could be useful because not everything's available everywhere to buy anyways but but my main thing is that hulu used to be like one of the better apps for me at least personally and it was really easy to use when it was free for yeah free and with but with ads obviously which, when when you have less disposable income, you're w- more willing to do like a free thing with with ads because they're usually pretty good about spacing that sort of thing out. But, and it was a really good easy way to find streaming episodes, streaming versions of episodes of currently running in new shows after they'd aired or as soon as they air or are available to. Like, I really love being able to click on, like, the recently available section and go in, like, day by day and week by week figuring out what is newly available. Because I swear the Hulu algorithm just is, like, showing me the same things all the time. And I'm not necessarily interested in a lot of the stuff I've watched. It's similar to a lot of stuff I've watched in the past. I'm sort of the person who is, like, open up, opening, sorry, open to new programming that is available. And if I see it on there, on like the recently available, and I can click through day by day and see exactly what's been newly available the prior day, I'd be more willing to watch this like out of my zone. I, at least for me, at least. And it has like also had a lot of selections in at least like linear TV programming that you couldn't really find altogether anywhere else of like currently running things that are on. And like prior seasons where like Netflix had prior seasons which I sort of cared about but like you it takes forever to get some stuff there because at one point it was owned co-owned by Disney I think it was 21st Century Fox and Comcast so thus they were able to pull, pull all the linear TV programming from at least like three of the major networks Fox, NBC, ABC And this is where I think CBS sort of, like, got behind on that because they were, it's how they, like, I think how they further skewed away from a younger audience. Like, they had no real accessible way to, like, watch the programs the day after it aired unless you were on their specific websites that ABC, Fox, and Comicast also had. But I hated the interfaces on all those, like, network-specific websites because... 
I would run into the problem so many times where it would replay ads and it just wouldn't play the show and it would play the same ads over and over again. <clears throat> this is the CW. It's like they play the exact same ads in every ad break, which is hated. But Hulu was able to step in and solve the problem of the terrible websites. And so you could easily watch all of them in an interface that was like built well. But then ever since Hulu consolidated ownership to mainly Disney, but Comcast still owns a third. And I think it like comes up where they, um, Disney could buy out Comcast soon. So after they consolidated ownership, I think there's more prior owners, but I don't know who they were. It feels like the quality of Hulu has just gone downhill. Like I hate the new interface and I hate the new Netflixy type of like um, homepage, I guess you could say. It's not necessarily just the website that's the problem. It's like the app too. I can no longer look day by day and week by week for new shows and movies that are just becoming available. It, it becomes heavily reliant on an algorithm to guess stuff I'm interested in. And I also hate that like you have to scroll so far down on the page to find your like recently watched things. And somehow some stuff on I don't that's not here no, never mind. Um it just made it more difficult to find what you also have like saved is like the my stuff on Hulu or the stuff you're currently watching, like I said, that's further down. And like I don't watch everything on Hulu. So I don't truly have an experience where I can find something new that I wanna watch because I'm not always watching stuff on there. Because the algorithm makes the website less and less useful to to me. I used to watch like a ton of the like first episodes of like new linear shows, and it makes me like kind of push me towards actually watching linear TV. Now it's like I don't know what's airing or what's even new, and it's not easy to find. And like even for like Hulu stuff, like I, unless the algorithm for Hulu serves it to me, I will never never be able to find what's new on their website. And, like, I think Disney really missed a huge opportunity to differentiate the two platforms in a real way. I understand, like, that they have Disney Plus to, like, fully own the fruits of their labor. Like, unlike with Hulu, because they share it, at least now, with Comcast. But, like, Disney has certain connotation with the type of stories they tell. And Hulu could have been, like, a real opportunity to show, like, different programming types that could bring attention to a new audience that would be, like, overwhelmed by the Disney name. And, like, gearing towards, like, older age groups programming that I think is kind of pushes you away from Disney Plus because you know they show, like, all the Disney Channel movies and stuff like that. And I understand with, like, keeping Marvel on there because it's, like, their most profitable, one of their most profitable, like, areas of their company. And it's kind of not super adult. I just wish they would have even... Yeah, because even from a business perspective, it makes sense to keep it off of Hulu because they don't have to share that sort of thing with Comcast. And that Comcast is has their own dream of learning Peacock and stuff now anyways, but that's a different story. And we are also like getting to the age of TV where streaming is spread so thin. 
and I, that I think people would be really gravitated toward like a real challenger towards linear TV that offered programming from so many different channels. I understand that they're all individually wanted to make their own content in why they no longer, like Comcast, um, 21st Century Fox, ABC no longer like own it all together, even though a couple of those are like owned by Disney. And so Comcast has Peacock and stuff like that, but like having one place to even watch like stuff that's newly on TV and they can go to a different platform later, which is often how it is anyways now, even with their own platforms. If they could, could if there's just something consolidated in all one place, then they make it so much easier, which is kind of why I like the Apple TV app, despite the fact that Apple TV Plus is in there and it like clutters up the screen. It actually can consolidate what you're watching among, like, different apps that you have on your Apple TV. So, like, I can go in there and see um, something I'm watching through Paramount Plus is through the Apple TV app. And I think Apple TV does, like, the different streaming apps so, so much better than Hulu does because I can't seem to find... Like, I can't click on a button on Hulu to find my HBO Max stuff because I have a subscription through Hulu for HBO Max. So, like, I can't find it easily in the same way that I can go to Apple TV, click on, like, the icon for HBO Max, and scroll through the specific programming available on HBO Max. That's what kind of sucks about Hulu, too, which is good about Apple TV Plus. Not Apple TV the Apple TV app, which has Apple TV Plus, like, integrated into it, that I don't have a subscription to, because it doesn't seem like they have enough of what I'm interested in on there anyways. But, I think Apple TV does it in a good way that utilizes what Hulu could have done earlier on in combining everything that's available to you in one app, so you can view where everything exists, and, like, pick up where you left off in that same app. So like I so I can search the stuff on Apple TV, find where it is available too, like whether that be for purchase through iTunes or on like a different streaming app that I don't perhaps own or anywhere else. Hulu could have really been that thing before Apple stepped in for that sort of thing. But uh, Hulu at this point just seems like like a real redheaded stepchild. That, it, like, they don't seem to put, like, a ton of effort into anymore. Like, I don't know what original programming they even have either. I mean, they have, like, that FX on Hulu thing now separately. But I don't really care about that because I don't really care about FX stuff anyways. And I, I just don't know what original content they have anymore. Like, I just heard about, I guess they have the White Man Can't Jump remake movie on Hulu. as its own separate thing. But, what's the last TV show on Hulu that you saw that was a Hulu original? I guess Love Me is, but it was also, I don't know if I was watching it because it was a Hulu original. It even says that it's a Hulu original. Or even consider that versus distribution through Hulu from, it's like, original Australian partner. That's an interesting question. And I don't really know what other TV shows, because, like, most recently they had a couple Marvel shows. I don't know how long that 
go with that. They have like the runaways and some other stuff, but they just they don't have Disney like went to the point of pulling all that stuff off of Hulu and is now putting all of like and Netflix putting like remake of Daredevil and the Daredevil series on Disney Plus. Which is like I don't think fits. Like it makes more sense in like the HBO Max way because HBO is known for a different level of programming and like having the surname integrated is fine there. I think I'm not too attached to HBO as it is either, but I think I think Disney just suffers so much from the connotation of like the children's programming that I think it really could have done something with a different name for Hulu or not different name a Hulu type thing to gravitate a different audience towards the other type of programming they do have available in their vault, I suppose. And I guess any Hulu is like only available in the US, I think, and I don't think it's available in Canada. And I don't think, like even overseas, I don't think Disney Plus is necessarily what they use across different countries either because I think in like India or Asia generally they call it Hotstar which is interesting and it might have to do with like name rights thing with like in those in those in those countries because I think I don't know if the name right thing is separate from like their parks because I know I'm pretty sure like even in Disney um Paris and Tokyo or whatever I think like the the lands for Disney Disneyland is not even owned by Disney it's more like a franchising sort of thing I'm pretty sure anyways moving on from there like I don't know if that's necessarily a good idea I mean it makes sense in some way but I'm like what's the point you kind of give up at this point anyways anyways Moving on. Another news story. Lockwood Lockwood and Co. on Netflix was cancelled. I was really, really, really late to the show. I would so recommend it though. It is so good. I totally thought it was like a super kiddie type of show that like would be super cheesy and like kind of not my thing at all. Like sort of Disney-ish in that way. Related to the last story. But it was like actually pretty good. Young people are the center of the show. The show. Young people are the center of the show, but they aren't children. But so the summary of the show is like the world is plagued by like ghosts and spirits and that affect and kill the living, but like only the young, younger people can see the ghosts and thus become the people who can defeat them, and so they don't overrun the world. And it's like a ragtag team of like three that are like outcasts band together to form and work in their own agency to offer their services to get rid of ghosts and spirits. And, like, while running up against, like, the more systematically built-up agencies that live around them in the world. And I, I like the relationship between, it's not really the relationship at this point, but, like, the relationship between the, 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 I forgot how Lucy and, who's a girl main character, and the guy is Lockwood, but I forget what his first name is, or if they even say it a ton. I really like the relationship between those two characters because they're so different and so alike and it's 
they work really well together in a really interesting way that I didn't think this type of a show would really do, dive into. But I would say it's like a A minus show. I would definitely 100% watch it, even though it's canceled. It, I think it really does what it is doing well for the type of series it is. And it's based on books, too. Like, I think the first season is based on three of the books, I believe, or two. So, like, each... It's not a serial... It's not episodic in that each case... There's different cases for each episode. I think three, 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 three episodes represent one book that you go through and solving the mystery and the story, which I think really fleshes out the world and the story really well and it may, like elevates it in a really cool way in the like cgi isn't that bad the lore is like really interesting and well built up which you can kind of sort of expect from like a book series but i would really recommend it it sucks that it was canceled i never really heard anything about it but besides um the, the main girl character Lucy the actress was, was in Bridgerton which side note I really warmed up to Queen, Queen Charlotte I still don't like it as much as the second season of Bridgerton but it's so good so the main character girl Lucy the actress used to be on Bridgerton but it was notable that she left the show Bridgerton to be on Lockwood & Co which sucks. And I also think they kind of suffer from the fact that Netflix, I don't know if I said this, this is on Netflix, it also suffers from the fact that Netflix has a show called Lock and Key, which is super similar, and like, kind of in the same genre. But, sucks it was cancelled. I really enjoyed it, and I think it was really well done. Anyways. Next story. Based on a true story trailer and like premiere date came out for a show that's coming on Peacock on June 8th. Apparently all episodes at once. I do not understand Peacock's release schedule. It's either all at once or once a week or nothing but between or something like that. <laughs> Silly. Starring Kaylee Cuoco and Chris Messina. So they, apparently they like started podcasts to try to solve a murder in their neighborhood. The thing is like I don't think I really like Kaylee Cuoco as an actress all that much. I tried watching The Flight Attendant, which, like, I really enjoyed the book that that was based on. But, like, this show just is, like, throwing me off because it's, like, the extreme tone difference. And, like, how much it, like, accommodated for Kaylee? I don't want to say that, but it felt like they were leaning more into her strengths in a way that it took away from the story. But I do really like Christmasina in stuff I've seen him in and I think he crosses crosses genres really well and I can't I think this is means sort of into more comedy mixing and I really like Christmasina on like the Mindy project. I enjoyed him on that and I thought he did really well in the comedy there. And I've seen him in sad stuff. I just can't remember what specifically because I'm not super like sad, deeply depressed person watching shows. Although some of the stuff I'm watching I'll talk about today, which I wrote like six pages of notes on. It's super sad and deeply depressing. Um, 
but I just really wish podcasting wasn't really part of the story at all. It, it just feels like they're trying to capitalize on only murders in the building in a way that like they possibly can't possibly do as well as that show does it. And it feels kind of gross in a different way because it feels like it's being more self-serious about it than only murders is able to bring across in the show because they have Steve Martin and Martin Short. I was I forgot that that Martin Short's name for a second, but I re- remembered that they share like a middle like a name. So you can do Steve Martin and you pick someone and you pick up like oh Martin Short because they one has the same first name and the one last name. Obviously, like I said so dumb <laughs> that's how I remembered it um but uh probably and it just so it feels like it's being more self-serious about it and I just like I don't know if I can handle something like that in that I don't really like the type of comedy that Kaylee Cuoco gives a lot of the time like I was sort of interested in was that movie meet cute where she started across, start against Pete Davidson. I thought that would be interesting. I haven't seen it yet. It was also on Peacock. I just don't have any high hopes for it because I, I saw the trailer after closer to when it was coming out, and I'm like, oh, this seems not good. I don't know. I really will watch. Don't have high hopes for it being good at all. So, moving on to, oh, before I move on to what I would actually, like, watch in full this week, I want to update on, um, a new story I talked about a couple weeks ago. It must have been the first episode, XO Kitty, the spinoff for To All the Boys I Loved Before. It came out last Thursday, the 17th, I believe it was. Let me look at my calendar. 18th. I was so busy with work that I didn't get to get around to it till Friday, I think. I don't like it. I give it C minus. I forgot how annoying the character was of Kitty. I heard from someone else that it's super key romance type of show. I don't like the sh- the K-romances. I've seen the Korean romance, comedy, whatever they call it. Or whatever you you would call it. I don't know what the genre is called in Korea. Specifically, I know they have the K-drama specific to Korea, but I don't know if that applies to the romantic like telenovela type of show. And I just I can't put up with like the over- acting and like the oh my god <gasps> I, I don't I'm not what I was trying to do there but it's like super over the top in a way I don't like and I heard that from somebody else and I like I could sort of see it building and I heard certain things about where the story goes and I'm like I don't really care about that why do I want to watch this and it, uh, maybe I'm too old at this point to watch a teenager type show but I've seen stuff about how teenagers like a teenager surrounded show recently with like a summer I've turned pretty and I really enjoy that show so I don't know if it's like it's more about bubblegummy pink 
sort of vibe that I'm just not getting along with. I'm like, I just have no interest in this. And, yeah, I just have no interest in it. And I don't think I would, would watch it any further. So, that's one I give up on. Um, so, going to what I watched this week. So, three things. Um, I continued on with Rough Diamonds. I did not get very much further into it. A Netflix show, um, like I was talking about last week. Um, I also watched Muted, a new thing that came out on Netflix this weekend. That was a real bad decision, but we'll talk about it. And then I also started watching Citadel, the, um... Priyanka Chopra, Richard Madden show on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime is really le- leaning into dad TV, which is, I guess, it's its thing. It that brings in a big audience despite not being super well talked about sort of show. Anyways, let us start with Rough Diamonds. So, like I said, I didn't get get very far into it because how serious it was and stuff like that. So a reminder, the oldest son, Noah, left his Orthodox Jewish family to live in England and returns home to Belgium after his younger brother. I don't know if he had multiple, I can't remember at this point. Um, committed suicide. And Noah stays and ends up getting more involved when it's discovered that his brother, Yankee, which I cannot, I don't know if that's like a, a common name is, it's just so funny how common, uh, the Yankees like sports and stuff. Anyways, left their, younger brother Yankee left the business, The they work in like diamond trading business. And... They left the diamond trading business deeply in debt to gambling bookies. And and trying to, like, Noah's staying around to try to solve the problems and keep the business still alive and getting sucked back into the drama. And it's really funny because, like, the bookie that the, the um, brother was really deeply in debt to works at a car wash. And it, like, the background of it like really wants you to know that it's like an American style car wash and I'm like our car wash is very different between the US and compared to Europe I've never even noticed that like dude Europe has got to have car washes and so what makes um car wash American is my question like I've never even thought about that as being something specific to America that maybe has something to do with detailing they do have like a garage that they do the work into that's like by hand so maybe it's something like that but I can't imagine that being something super American centric but it's one of the weirdest things that I've ever seen on a TV show that is said to be like specifically American style anyways and more p- and as you go along in the show, n- y- like obviously Noah lives in England, 
and is somehow involved in the drug smuggling industry in England, which makes you wonder like why he's so unwilling to be involved in his family's business and why he'd much rather be involved in like a drug smuggling industry. And like slowly you begin to learn like the boss is the mother of his the mother of his the is the grandmother of his child who he didn't take care of until the mother died, which is another case another facet. And there's like a second storyline also go- another storyline also going involved with some sort of like government official investigating like the Albanian mob who they believe is like drugling drugling smuggling drugs and money in and out of Belgium. And at the end of the first episode, they discover diamonds hidden in the compartment. And you're like, oh, I guess this makes sense why it more ties into, like, the family's um, um, d- diamond dealing. Because it's like, oh, it leans towards being Yankee being, having gotten the family involved, business involved in, with the Albanian mob. And maybe why... He killed himself more than just gambling deaths. And I'm wondering to myself, as I'm watching this, is the diamond industry really not that profitable anymore? Like, the Wolfsons, which is the family and the family business, are such in dire straits because the industry isn't as profitable anymore. It's like, and apparently, like, normally they would be able to solve all their debt, debt problems if they were, like, ten years ago, like I keep saying. And... And it's so it's just one strange thing to me. It's like, apparently it's like not profitable anymore. But like, I guess I don't really buy jewelry, so I wouldn't even really know. But you you know the like sprung up of um um people who people who want to be flashy and wear diamonds and stuff like that. And I guess it's maybe the rarer something is, the more profitable it is for traders. But I don't know. It's a really interesting part of the story that I don't know if they're ever going to explain. But one another interesting side plot is that like Noah, the oldest brother, was like engaged to the brother who killed himself's wife before Noah left for England. So like Noah broke it, broke it off with Gila, I guess is the brother's wife, broke it off the engagement before he left England. And Yankee, the brother who killed himself, was felt obligated to marry Gila. And apparently, there was, like, no real relationship between Yankee and Gila. Which you don't find out in the first episode. And you kind of sort of, like, understand there's some sort of connection between Noah and Gila. Because they were, like, staring at each other. Like, oh, really, might something might occur between these two people. Where you realize, and slowly realize, oh, there's a past. And you're like, oh, there's even more of a past than you first wondering but I'm like I'm really curious why Noah left his family it like sort of him hinting him hinting Noah as not like wanting to be in the family business of diamonds but it's like I want to say there's more involved because especially if he the business he went into involves drug smuggling and he just he was just so lost he ended up in a more dangerous life and eventually his boss slash mother um former mother I suppose you can say comes to Belgium and is like clearly not a very good person even more perplexing now no got involved as if it's better than diamonds and like that's 
the his boss slash mother-in-law is how um Noah's able to solve the first problem of Albanian mob not paying for the diamonds that they took which I guess it makes sense they didn't pay for the diamonds that they took because the cargo was seized by the government authorities it's like the side plot but then also to agree to like do much bigger jobs and it's like this is clearly the arc of the season the more involved and entrenched the family and the diamond business that Noah's gonna get into combining his involvement in the drug smuggling business and the diamond stealing the diamond stealing diamond trader business altogether and more involved in deeper, deeper and seedier world, and like dealing in the fact that the Wolfstons are like, I said Orthodox last episode, and I don't know if that's correct. I want to, I think they said they were Hasidic, but I think that's more specific. So it's like you can be Orthodox without being Hasidic in a different way, which is. It's sort of an element, element that's interesting. You don't see a lot of Hasidic Jewish people on TV, I guess, a ton. I used to watch a couple of things, but I wasn't really interested in any of the other, like, Netflix Hasidic moving away from religion sort of shows that they've had recently. Because I think mostly what really had reality and, like, super serious shows, too. I don't know. Anyways. I didn't get much further on the show. I think I'll pick it up eventually. It's just, it's a lot to watch something that has subtitles that just doesn't move very fast in the same way. And it's just not interesting to look at in any other ways. I don't know. I think it's okay so far. I don't know if I'd necessarily recommend it to watch specifically, but it's... I'm obviously having questions. So, like, moving into the future, I was like, why not watch it? It might be interesting. Anyways, moving on to my paper notes. <laughs> um, they took so much easier to take paper notes, especially when my, tea, my computer dies super fast. Because it's, like, ten years old at this point. Um, mostly because I just don't use the computer a ton anymore. Um, besides, because I have a different one for work and stuff. Um, they say I watch Muted on Netflix. I don't know if it's a limited series. It kind of feels like it is. But, who knows. Um, so, um, main character, I guess is Sergio, played by Aaron Piper, which you know from, I know from Elite, the Spanish, um, I want to say telenovela in the same way, it's super heightened teenager type of show, I gave up after, like, midway through the second season on that show, but he was, like, I think Aaron Piper is considered the, like, one of the, like, the breakout people in that show, Although, in the show, I don't totally understand that. Although, the show's got other problems. So, the show opens up with his parents falling from the balcony and dying in front of a young woman on the street. It feels like um, this this young woman that witnesses it is going to be involved later. But they straight up don't ever show that or answer the question. 
or unless I really go back and watch to like look at it again I totally thought the other main character was this person and that's why they got more involved maybe I missed that and went over my head um but after the parents fall Sergio just like calmly walks through the apartment with blood all over like he doesn't not covered in blood but like blood's all over the apartment and he like walking through glass to find his little sister you don't really see anything occur leading up to the deaths but it definitely wants you to believe he murdered his parents for some reason and like the why and what happened is part of the show moving forward it's it flashes forward six years and there's like so many questions that come from this Ser- like Sergio obviously looks no different and doesn't really help you in knowing what his age is in the current day or past but he's also just being released from a juvenile facility and I don't know if like the system is completely different in Spain but I always he's just being released now like six years they think he killed his parents in a very brutal way and like doesn't talk like that's the whole thing he's just he doesn't talk to a lot of people. He talks to some people, which is not the greatest. I'm like, how is he able to be released for such, for such a violent crime? And how is he even inheriting the apartment that the murder happened and that his parents owned? And how did it, how did it just continue to sit after six years with nothing going wrong where it needed to be sold for some other purpose? And like, is there no law in Spain where you're not able to benefit from your the crimes that you've committed? Just like they have the um, I don't know if it's exactly called this, but like the Son of Sam law in the U.S. where if you commit a crime, I don't think you're able to profit from that crime directly. I f- don't think like the monies have to be able, have to go to the victims of the crime. I don't know if. It, you have to be super specific about making sure that happens. Like, I think, who was it? Someone, like, OJ read that book, if, which is the whole thing of the story. He was not able to, they didn't want him to be able to profit from his crimes, so they made it to the profits from the book. And changing the title of it goes to the victim's, his victim's family. And they got to change it. So there's like a forward by the, by the Goldman family. And they changed the title. Anyways, it's so strange. Many questions going on here. And, and I guess that some of it can be explained away by like the weird experiment that you slowly learn that they're setting up they're putting it in but there's also like questions there like they're putting a ton of money and resources into just watching him to see if he's dangerous apparently so you meet the main like psychologist character who's ahead of this um, observation mission her name is Anna and you slowly see her come in with a team to an apartment to rig it with cameras and mics and stuff like that. 
and they said I would cross the street to watch him to apparently see if he's dangerous. And apparently they weren't able to make a psychological profile because they wouldn't really talk to anybody, which I'm like, the way he's acting through this whole series, like you can watch him and sort of understand who he is in a way, but otherwise not, I suppose. But it's like, how is this worth it? And why wouldn't, if you truly think you don't know whether or not he would be violent or not, how is that not a reason not to parole him? Because he has an ankle monitor. I don't know. And I, at first, I really thought that the psychologist, Anna, was a woman who witnessed the murders and just got obsessed with it. And I guess it still could be possible, but the woman kind of didn't really look like her. Like, they showed a flashback video, and she's pregnant, and, like, Anna's pregnant in the video. Which I'm like, it has to play into something somehow. And I think I said it sort of does. And I don't really think she looks like the woman that was on the street. But, I don't know. And if you were true, like, like I said before, if you were truly this much of a threat to society, that they need this much surveillance, like, at least six people... For this operation to be paid and approved for as like an experiment that he's mentioning which is interesting i guess plays into more of the story too how is he why is he even released if it costs this much how much of a benefit could this truly have from watching him if you truly think he's dangerous i guess maybe they don't really know and he doesn't seem like he could be but i don't know and i just really think he's part of maybe some alleged conspiracy going on as like you go along and, like, the whole effect of Sergio not talking after the murder definitely, like, builds a mysteriousness. But, like, it seems much more nefarious than when he clearly has the ability to talk to who he wants to easily. So it doesn't really know, doesn't really seem like it's a tra- trauma sort of response. But I don't know, I don't really know that that, that well. But he's just particularly... But he's not particularly effusive when he's talking so far, so maybe that plays into it a little bit. I don't know. And it's like, can they not record him talking to other people and, like, sort of get it from there? Or maybe he's just, they think he's putting on a front anyways or something? I don't know. And it's just really starting to feel like all the characters outside of Sergio are living in a very different world in reality. And every other person's, like, living in a thriller, and he's, like, living in something different while so giving the front that you should be suspicious of him in the same ways if you were in a thriller. And you're like, you come to learn that, like, obviously, Sergio has admirers in detention, and, like, one of them who actually responds to is because he, he was just there, which is interesting. And, like, police who can help find her, which you like, okay, that's why you responded. And so the people who observe him, which is, I don't know how they didn't see this before, people who observe him finally find out that about this admirer that, like, comes to visit him and start using her to get, like, a better side of the information what's going on and what Sergio's plans are. The girl, Marta, happens to currently have a boyfriend, and it complicates the situation in different ways. And... Through this, like, you discover, like, there's also, like, corrupt cops involved, which I don't understand their involvement, even after the end, who are trying to sabotage the mission to send him back, and I'm like, what does this have to do with anything? 
ever and like even toward the end i'm like i don't understand this and i like go to the lengths to take advantage of the situation to send him back and like the motivations are so unclear it's like and why would he even go back to juvenile detention it's like what is his age like when you first see him six years earlier i'm like maybe 17 they're trying to point him as being but like six years later he's like 23 i'm like why would he still go back to juvenile detention why is he even still in juvenile detention like when he's past 18 and like apparently some of the staff members of the facility were also trying to help him and like forming weird relationships with sergio and like upset that sergio didn't contact him i'm like is he super manipulative in a way that you're just like not seeing and he knows he's being manipulative and that's why they gave everything a mystery of like what exactly happened with the parents but then you come to find out that Sergio's sister actually adopted recorded videos on her phone before the parents died in the videos well then that's interesting too Anyways, interesting later on in the videos that Marta is able to get you start to see that certain parts of the story and like apparently Sergio is just like conducting sort of an experiment on him Sergio's mother is conducting some sort of experiment Sergio's mother is conducting some sort of experiment on him injecting him with some sort of medication and like insulting him and by calling him names and telling him that we cares for him, which is, I don't know how that plays in further down either. And like recording whether or not physical violence occurs. And like the psychologist is continuing to show that he's like straight up as, continuing to show that she is straight up as obsessed with him. And they keep like focusing on the, sh- on the shot of her hand with her wedding ring on in a way that like makes me think something's going on. And this is a bigger part of the story that she's married somehow and that somehow involved with Sergio or something's going on there and like Marta eventually tells Sergio that he's being watched and sort of Sergio sort of expected it from the moment he was released but his suspicion sort of went away over the first episode but he found someone following him and I don't know why he just and he just told him to stop following him so I don't know what he's doing what's going on in the head there which just sort of makes, sort of like gives you the impression of like, yeah, you don't know what's up with this guy. And I just don't understand what they're hoping to get out of this study and why are they doing it still. It's like it keeps a recurring thought. If they believe it's dangerous, why is he still out? It's like, I just totally go along and like, oh, the doctor knew Sergio's mother. And apparently it was like a daughter to her. And I'm like, and then they work together. And I'm like, how does that even make sense for that sort of relation to be either way? You would think something's more going on that the psychologist thinks Sergio is not a dangerous person. And they were like, and like, once goes to ask one of former colleagues, Sergio's mother, Blanca. And apparently, the colleague knows more about. Was telling people the colleague more about the, the situation with um, Sergio. Apparently, telling him that Sergio was violent and he was treating Sergio 
for being violent and having episodes. And like people, that's what she was telling the people and why she was conduct- conducting experiments and injecting medicine. And it wasn't just Blanca. Apparently, it was a dad too, because he worked for a pharmaceutical company. That's where the medications were coming from. And and slowly learned, I was like, oh, three years at least twenty-two. Because of the recordings Blanca made, tells her tells of the experiments. Says Sergio's age at that point, and it was obviously made more than six years prior, so he's at least twenty-two. And it just and you slowly learn that's like okay, Sergio's father was like not very keen on the experimentation being done, and less comfortable with it, which like kind of plays into the story, which doesn't make a lot of sense at the end, but I don't know. And and. Anna, the doctor, psychologist, who's observing him, sneaks into his apartment and finds like a hidden room where Blanca would record observations from and experiments from. And, it's fun- and it was all still intact there because obviously nobody found it in the meantime before recording the aftermath of the crime. And Anna gets stuck there overnight. When she when she's stuck there, when she when Sergio comes home in the middle for a search. And it's like one of the few moments at first where Sergio and Anna are in like the same place and he doesn't catch her. And it feel, I feel like we watch all these episodes of people observing them, but you really never come to any real understanding of who he is or the motivations of a, a person. And it's like outside of seeing wanting to see his sister, which doesn't really seem to try to do all the time either. All his actions are like super passive and like out off the screen and like a lot of actions don't even happen but while the show is occurring and the timeline thereof and then like oh you get to the point where like oh this sort of makes sense the doctor Anna adopted Sergio's sister with Noah that's why she had like no real interest in finding the sister it brings a whole new perspective on why she's like just desperately trying to understand Sergio maybe but like, also has like a weird sexual obsession with Sergio. At sometimes, and in the last episode, like an obvious confrontation occurs, and in Sergio finally meet in person, and everything comes out between them, like what's going on. As slowly, and Marta comes in, and like truly everything comes out about the watching, and. The obsession and fear of him from the, like the police doesn't really make any sense. Still, he seems to know everything and like just want to do anything just to see his sister. And it's like I don't know. It's so confusing and so like not well done. And but you get to the end and you're like, this is the craziest, most surprising ending. Seen for sh- I've seen in a show in a long time. It all comes to a head where, like, Anna tells Sergio all the nice things she thinks he needs to hear after after all the abuse he- she thinks he suffered. There's a breakdown coming between them together in a weirdly intimate way. It's gross. After she was just watching him the entire time. And then Nor- Noah appears, the adoptive sister that Sergio's been looking for. 
and confront Sergio. It's like and telling him to like say the truth of what actually happened because he was lying because he told earlier what happened to Anna when she asked, but it actually wasn't the truth. Apparently, and apparently it was just the murders, the deaths of the parents was truly a part of like his violent outburst. He was so angry with the feeling that he was being experimented on that he began to attack Blanca in his rage, his mother. Blanc is killed in the exact manner you discover in like the first episode reconstruction video. Sergio's fa- father comes in upon the crime scene and the confrontation and confronts Sergio, who then just throws the father off the balcony after Blanca. And no one knew this entire time, and they like never wanted to actually see Sergio. But like Anna still doesn't give up on Sergio. And, like, literally turns her back on Noah and chooses to stay with Sergio. And you begin to think that you're actually dealing with two very unreliable narrators in the story. Even though it's not really a narrator sort of perspective in the sense you they think. It's just two people who are just mentally unwell. Sergio goes over to the balcony and invites Anna along. As if there's no other choice left. And you then you get sort of a view of the broken security camera. And you see someone who jumps off the balcony. And in the end, you don't know who has jumped. It's like, and who is still just standing there on the balcony not doing anything. And I totally don't believe it was Sergio who jumped off. The, jumped off but Anna. I think it was Anna. It seems as though he's been been manipulative the entire time. And you think that something deeper is going on and it's sort of sociopathic feeling going on. Sorry, I cannot read my... I've devolved into cursive and sometimes I cannot read what I'm writing. Read what I wrote. Anyways, back up. And, like, Anna's mental health struggles has been part of, like, the feeding to the audience that he may have been a misunderstood person the entire time and was, like, actually suffering. But I'm like, is this all just really a projection of what she feels in the situation and, like, wanting to relate to somebody because she felt like an outcast her entire life? And, like, who jumped off the balcony and, like, I'm thinking he sort of he didn't actually want to see his sister, I don't think. I think he wanted to kill her. Because she knew. But I don't know why he wouldn't have done that earlier. But but maybe because she wasn't involved in the experiments. He truly believed she was a good person and nice to her the entire time. Even though the sister ended up being like he truly needed help. And the mother and father would truly wanted to help him. And it wasn't really malicious. But I'm starting to think... Reason why I think is Anna that is either pushed off or jumped off because I think when he found out that she that he was that Anna was surveilling him and thinking that it's sort of like it's still an experiment going on and like the anger is there and pushed her off and or just forced her to 
commit suicide without a sort of a manipulation tactic to get rid of someone who he thought was experimenting on him, maybe. But I don't know. Overall, I just, like, I don't think I recommend watching it. I think the story is interesting in itself, like, separately. But it was, like, wasn't really that great. The acting wasn't great. And honestly, he didn't... Uh, I was like, all I can say is, like, the ending was surprising. It was pretty good and interesting to watch in that way. I don't th- just don't think they did enough with Sergio's character for you be- to be able to be super surprised or invested in the ending. I mean, it's surprising and interesting, but not in the way that the whole series was interesting as a whole to, like, build up to that sort of ending to make sense. And it's like, what is the whole point of his character? It just doesn't make any sense. And there's just so many side plots that, like, just went nowhere and built up to nothing. Like, corrupt cops. I don't know what that does for the story at all. Why did they want to send him back? Other than, I guess, because he was actually violent and you sort of are being sidetracked by the fact that Anna is sort of, like, the protagonist you're seeing the story through. And, I don't know, I think you're seeing him, seeing Sergio too much from an outsider's perspective, perspective, rather than, like, what's, like, seeing him separately from that, that none of it made any sense, because what well, does that make sense to the building up to a story that making you thinking one way rather than understanding how she, how off she was, and Anna was, but honestly, <laughs> in my thoughts, I want to say, like, C, as a grade. Rock Diamonds, I I want to say B minus. One of the four. Uh, if I want to give a grade to that, even though I'm not that as far into it, and I don't know what the ending is like. Getting to Citadel, the next thing I watched. Um, starring Priyanka Chopra, Jonas, and Richard Madden. I think I accidentally wrote Rob Madden in here. Don't know why. Um, this is the story of this. It's you start on two agents on a train car. And the first thing they would mind is like, this train car is ridiculous. It's really fake looking and over the top. And it's like so much CGI. And apparently there are agents for some sort of outside agency that's not like affiliated to a government trying to make the world a more safer place for everyone and is tracking a person who apparently has uranium on the train and they separate, they start getting into fights while trying to like confront this person. Fights go on for way too long. And as you move along, like, the train blows up because it's actually a trap for the two agents, played by Priyanka and Richard Madden. And, and you're like, okay, sure. Um, and Richard Madden's character, Kyle, Kyle I hate all these names in the show, too, they're ridiculous loses memory and wakes up in the hospital thinking 
doesn't remember who he is at all. He just has like wedding ring and his passport that's obviously a cover identity passport. And when you fast forward like eight years in the future, he's married, has a kid, and lives in Eugene, Oregon. But then you come upon more ridiculous CGI. There's a Grubhub bag on the counter. But it's so obviously fake CGI that it's so bad. So bad. And you're like, oh my god. And you, in the scene, you just saw them make something. It's like, how, is that, how did I get that bag? Why is it so unrealistic? And then he goes into Kyle. goes into a therapist's office to start talking about more about not being able to remember anything. And there's a Ford folder on the coffee table in front of him that is totally CGI and terrible too. And I just really think this would benefit if there was some more reality-based visuals and storylines. But I don't know. Um, so, the two agents you saw before clearly have a ton of history together, which I'm thinking again is extremely complicated by the fact that Kyle is still married. Her real name is Mason Kane, apparently, which is more ridiculous. And there's a ton of rapport between the two and chemistry, but you see that not all is great between the two currently when you meet them eight years prior. And him moving forward in his life, Kyle, eight years later, he has a child that I do is very close to eight in a way I'm like. How did he move on so quickly without remembering anything? And like he's still haunted by like recurring dreams of when he's starting to see Priyanka, like the character of Priyanka. And like only seeing flashes, like some flashes. And like beginning to be concerned about that in in the story and the doctor suggests he puts his DNA into 23andMe to try to figure out maybe if technology is advanced in the eight years to like figure out who he is and that sort of set, sets off like alarm bells to figuring out to the last um, Citadel agent, because that's what the agency is called, is, who is still alive, played by Stanley Gucci, who I do not understand why he's in this either. It's so ridiculous. I'm like, is he in ridiculous stuff all the time that he's in? games which i think is like an acting thing which is so interesting even though it's kind of ridiculous and a devil wears prada which is like i guess it's a really good story but this one is just super meh i'm like why is he in this and so like i said twitch madden character kyle and i don't just like he seriously in therapy clearly can't move forward enough without knowing his past then like how has he moved forward enough that he has a wife and child and and you i'm looking like maybe this is some sort of setup from the agency or the marriage that's to keep an eye on him or something but apparently it's not apparently has an old wedding ring that he somehow moved on from two 
as if thinking it's just old life that he's never gonna remember which is even more crazy for how quickly he moved on and you learn that the agency like interstitials between that the agency fell off the work for Citadel fell after the attack by a rival agency called Manticore who is like bubbling up again to steal nuclear codes from Citadel's like files that are left over and Kyle gets slowly dragged back into the story to try to by Stanley Tucci's character to try to stop Manticore which is like why now and why this I don't know maybe but and Stanley Tucci's character thinks Priyanka Chopra's character is dead the entire time and thought the Kyle character I think was dead the entire time too and as you move into all these like vignettes like the parts of the story the side plots that are going on the most inconsistent title name cards for cities and places they're at that I've ever seen in a movie the first one we meet Kyle in the future is Eugene Oregon that's the title card the next one where you meet the, like the bad people who work for Manticore the title cards Virginia USA how is that any different from Eugene, Oregon? Why not specify a place? And why Virginia, USA? Is there another Virginia? And like the next one, where Stanley Tucci lives, is in Chicago. I'm like, there's no consistency be- between those three. Like, city, state, state, country, city. It, it's just truly insane. There's another one for like Miami, but that's consistent with Chicago. So like, why point that out? But it's just like so ridiculous. So much CGI that I hate it. And these fight scenes go on for way too long still. <laughs> and I think in the second episode is when you when Kyle gets deeper deeper involved in like current day and trying to figure out who he is and how to save his family because they know he's alive manticore and is trying to kill him and his family and he goes to find that priyanka's character is still alive while santa tucci is captured by manticore and his apparently there's some some sort of serum that's in the box that file box that Manticore had that he stole that has all his memories in it I'm like this is even more ridiculous and the memory jar breaks when Kyle is trying to take it because that's when they're confronting Stanley Tucci's character is kidnapped and then he goes to Spain to find Priyanka's character because that's where she is and she doesn't remember either because of a specific reason, because they implanted something so they could do a protocol to erase his memories. So you're like, oh, was the accident truly why Richard Myron's character can't remember anything? Or is it because of the protocols that um, Zendendel went through to like erase the memories? And I think I'm at the point where, yeah, where they're just starting to meet up together and starting to work together. And I think they're confronted by a mentor agent. And Priyanka takes her memories and I think has them back. So you're at like this certain level where like 
he's never gonna remember his memories because I don't think they have backups it seems like maybe in the future but I don't know and she does and obviously knows their past together and obviously trying to move forward I guess trying to defeat Manticore together and and being involved with each other while one person knows who who the past of both of them and I'm really curious of like the Kyle Mason whatever his name is Richard Madden's how his family is gonna tie into this because either the family is going to die the daughter is going to die or he's gonna find out that it's it's all fake the daughter's not actually oh, I don't know how the daughter could fit into it the way it's gonna die to move the story forward where they're you're like truly like wanting them together I suppose but there's like the will they won't they thing going on that they're trying to build into it so I'm like how does this story go anywhere? I it's so CGI'd and so like ridiculous and stuff. But it's kind of fun in some ways. I saw this story about this is the first show where Priyanka has had parody with the person opposite her and I'm like Richard Madden is not even that big of an actor. How does that a success? And if anything, they're sort of on equal levels because he hasn't had a ton of success after Game of Thrones. I don't think he was on the entire thing either, but I didn't get through the whole thing. And she was on a network TV show. And she just like sprung onto the scene and dated, married to Nick Jonas. And like, everybody truly wants you to being behind her but despite the fact she hasn't been a ton in a ton of stuff that I know is successful besides being on Quantico and a couple of movies here and there and you listen to notice that Richard Madden is obviously not doing his native accent because and I think that works because he's across from someone who's also I think putting on an accent, an American accent, in the way that her and Quantico didn't really have, but I can't, you can't really tell because they're talking to each other in a way that the two people not doing, I don't think are doing their native accents in English. I, or I, I maybe Priyanka's went away as the more she was doing stuff in English television and movies. I think, and it's just, it's not great. I didn't even realize that they were still airing episodes. Apparently, the f- fifth or sixth episode is airing this week, and apparently, it's only six episodes. And I'm like, this show does not move fast enough along in the story or do well enough to ingratiate yourself to these characters for it to be like amazing. And like I, I think I said last week, Amazon Prime really is getting to, into this dad TV. And I think those shows they do is done really well in being high action interesting like that sort of spy thriller story while also looking real and not ridiculous like that train in the beginning is the most ridiculous train you've ever seen it is pure white I mean I have also not, I have not been in train in Switzerland but I've seen travel videos and I don't know what first class looks like but it's like pure white, pure white seating. Super modern, futuristic in a way that I'm like, trains do not look like this. 
been on a couple trains in Europe that do not look like this. If they do, it's ridiculous and a waste of space. Because they're, like, literally, like, white couches that face the outside. You can see the Italian Alps, apparently. That's the first title card. Anyways. Me in the middle of watching Citadel and trying to get through it and seeing if I like it. I have no idea. I am watching multiple episodes because apparently I do like it more than I was when I'm watching XO Kitty. Which was just ridiculous, too. But I like Priyanka Chopra. Jim Madden's fine. He's not my favorite, but like, his, I don't know if his features are still specifically English, and it's hard to think he's American in any way. And so striking that I, it's kind of hard to like truly blend in, I think. And Priyanka's pretty too, and it sort of makes sense. She's not so like stunningly out of this. She's pretty. I don't know how to describe it. I don't want to say she's not pretty, but she's also not ridiculous in the Angelina Jolie way. But I don't know. It just doesn't. It, we'll see how it works. I really want to figure out why Sally keeps getting signed on to it. Because it'd kind of be interesting in some way that makes sense. I'm like, at first I thought he was, he's a tech genius, obviously. And I thought maybe he was doing it because he's being stuck in the same room and not have to travel a ton. But he is outside and part of it. So let's move on to see what is in the top 10 on Netflix. TV shows. Selling Sunset. Selling Sunset. I watched a little bit of it. I have no interest in watching it really. Two is SWAT already. That had a thing recently where it was canceled from CBS. Then revived. And I know a couple of seasons were on Hulu. But it made a big announcement when it was renewed, actually renewed, that it was going to be on Netflix, which is surprising it's so high. It's, it, like, it was just, like, four a few days ago, I think. But I don't know. Three is now XO Kitty. Honestly, I would skip it. She's just annoying. Um, Queen Charlotte. I really like, I, I like it. I don't not like it. I don't know if it misconstrued that way or not, but I do like it. Find her finding the show interesting. It's just too sad, and I just wish it was like the more romantic comedy of Bridgerton. But I understand why, because it was like a sadness there. Five is muted. The show I was talking about with Aaron Piper, and the uh, obviously I was talking about it not that long ago. It's not terrible. It's short. It's easy to get through. Watch it. Watch it. Don't watch it. It's not. It's okay. Six is a new season of Lorena Del Sol Del Sur. I have never said that out loud. The Lorena Lorena Del Sur on Netflix. It's not, it's not a Netflix show, but this show has such an interesting history. Like the first season was in two thousand eleven. It came back in twenty nineteen and came back for another season and even more in the future. I know it has an American spinoff on USA called Queen of the South, which is kind of like a literal translation. And, the sh- and I think it was really, actually really good. I stopped somewhere in season three, and I think there was like five seasons. But I think it's actually pretty good and done really well. I just stopped off for some reason. I tend to do that. I'll only pick up sometimes in the future when I have 
more time on more interesting. I don't know. I don't have it really any interest to watch this because it is a telenovela and the seasons are 60 episodes long with like hour episodes. And I don't know if it has a romance in the same way Queen of the South does, kind of has it in the, that I know it has. And I'm really not interested in 60 episodes. It has nothing for me in that way. Um, Seven is made. That did not come out recently at all. And why is it popular now? That's so interesting. I don't remember anything coming out that would launch that, like, nominations or anything recently, I don't think. I mean, Firefly Lane would drop down heavily from number one a couple days ago, I think. I saw someone watching this saying it was really good and maybe interested in watching it. I've just never been a huge, super huge, and I can't say that I like Catherine Heigl's stuff, but I've never been super into Kate, Kat, what is her name? Chalk, Sarah Chalk. Maybe I'll watch it. It has like romance in it, apparently. And it's contained through two seasons. And then, from Gringer Forever, I'm not really interested in boxing or whatever. And then, Missing Dead or Alive. I've been watching too many episodes of 48 hours over the past couple days just to have something on in the background. Um, I'm not super into, like, the documentary stuff about cases a ton of the time because it's sometimes over a force and I do not like when some of those shows come back from break and repeat stuff so often that it's annoying because I was sort of into also watching Vanderbilt Rules and that whole scandal drama which ugh, I hate that it's surrounded by him but of course he's the one who did it but something about trying to go back and watch the, in the first couple seasons of that show is that like comes in montage scene pick up where it shows you what's gonna happen in the future commercial break comes back pick up into an into a scene it's just so much skipping forward and it's like i can't watch this unless it was live i guess or it's hard to like skip through unless you're like truly interested in, in going back and it's people enjoy it and able to get through it quickly so maybe i should like try to get through it even though i watched a lot because the last episode of the season that's like the pickup episode that they shot after everything happened it was like so good and so captivating to watch it made you want to go back and watch it but it's just so embarrassing in a different way that's like oh this is super ridiculous and over the top at some points anyways on to movies missing i don't really like thrillers I think it's more horror-y thriller than maybe I don't like The Mother with Jennifer Lopez. Don't watch a lot of stuff with Jennifer Lopez. A Man Called Otto. I think that's based on a book. I don't really, not really drawn towards Tom Hanks. Ted. Oh, no. The Sun. Don't know what that's about. And Nicole Smith documentary. I don't need to watch something like that. Faithful Yours. I watched a commercial for this. It looks super ridiculous. And I think it's like Dutch or something. What is it? Um, yeah, it is Dutch. It seems sort of like an interesting story, but I just can't. It doesn't. The story seems like it would be, be interesting, but the way it seems to be executed through the commercials doesn't really 
seem like my sort of thing. Next is The Croods. I don't really watch animated stuff. Ugly Dolls, again, animated. And then K Viva Mexico. I've never heard that either. The person in it kind of looks familiar, though. I don't recognize any of the names. Apparently, it's a satire. Oof, not really my thing. So, anyways, yep. A um, couple things I watched this week. Hopefully, I'll come, in ne- come back next week. I mean, I probably will. I'm already watching more Citadel and then. What else? Um, oh, the reunion for Vanderpump Rules is on this Wednesday. And is anything new coming out? I do have my TV time app to see what's coming out this week. I might start watching um, more of Fire Country now that the season's over. I was sort of interested in starting to watch The Rookie Feds. Because I didn't know they had Britt Robertson in it. I don't really care about Macy Nash, but... Like, I don't really care about the rookie. I don't really care about... What's his name? The guy who was on Castle. I don't really care about his character. Um, at all. So maybe, like, the starting story would still be good, but I also have, like, some side plot that I read online. I'm like, oh, don't know interested in that. But I like Kevin Steggers, I think is his name. And I I like Britt Robertson, and apparently maybe they're a thing. Going to be a thing. Maybe they're hinting that towards maybe. I don't know. Because I was, I like the rookie for Chen and, oh, what is his name? Bradford. Because I like them together and they built that up really well and did a really good job at teasing that out. And I'm like, they wouldn't do the same thing on a different show in a similar situation, would they? But who knows? I gotta get back into the rookie too because I miss so much that I, it's hard. I don't really watch that live. So let's see what's going to be on this week. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I'm so behind on that that I don't think I'll ever watch and pick that up. Citadel, the new episode's going to be out on Friday, episode 6. I have enough time for me to get through the whole season. Until up until then, what I'm really excited for is the new season of Nancy Drew next week. In nine days. I really like this show. I couldn't watch it week to week when it was actually like actively airing. For some reason, but I really enjoy like the storyline and the mystery that goes on and how well it looks and the whole vibe that goes on and like a really surprising romance developed in that show that I did not expect when watching it. Which is that's what I thinking back sort of makes sense. The new new season of iCarly. I don't think I got through the whole first season of the reboot of that. Um, manifest is that same week, and then after that, never have I ever is way off in the future. Mm-hmm. I skipped out on the second season of that. Summer Turn Pretty is in July. Yeah. Oh my god. That's way far away. 104 days. Apparently, Magna P.I. is coming back for the same season. Is it 104 days? Is it over three months from now? What? Why would they do that? That's so interesting. Never seen that before. Anyways, what am I be interested in watching? Who knows what I'll end up watching? Come find out next week on Julie Loves Television. And thank you for listening. Hopefully it won't skip a week.